Thanks for tuning in to Barbershop Sports Talk. Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl Lane. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, we want to thank you for making us in this show part of your day, whether it be via SoundCloud, the LM Radio Network, or the Columbia, South Carolina radio app. And if you haven't got that app, you should get it. You can go in the App Store and get the Columbia, South Carolina radio app. So you can listen to me from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time in the afternoon. Great show today. I'm going to have my man's Landon Rose. Landon's going to come back on. Landon's been a frequent guest. We're going to have Landon in the first segment, in the first hour. We're going to talk to Landon about some football and some basketball. Can't wait to get Landon's opinion on some interesting stuff with the Cavaliers and the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to explain this, you know, because I've been thinking about this. With the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, we already know where I've stood, where I stand. I have the Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers coming out of the East and West. But how tough do I really think those series are going to be with the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens and the Golden State Warriors versus James Harden, Chris Paul, Mike D'Antoni, and the Houston Rockets? How close do I think those series are going to be? Because some people have been saying that both of those series could go six, seven games. And we will talk about that. But first, school's coming to an end. This is my last recording I'm going to do in a college dorm for probably four months. And I am so dang happy about it. I want to go home. I miss my mommy. And I miss my dad. And I miss my grandma. And I think I'm, I miss my little, my little brother too, even though he's in Chicago. But that's a whole other story. We don't, we don't talk about that too much. I'm, I miss the whole family. And I love you, Mom. I want to tell you this. I love you, and I appreciate everything you do for me. I have to put that out as a disclaimer because Mother's Day is coming up soon. So I want this all on audio. Mom, I love you. I appreciate all the things you do for me, and you know all the stuff you do to me. So I can't go on a litany, litany of things right now because it would be too many of the name. It would be the whole show. It would be more than two hours. Mom, just know I love you. Letting everybody know. I love my mom. You should tell your mom you love her too. Make her real happy. But with that... We talk about, like, family environments. They decide a lot about how we all grow up. The best environment you have is 
the perfect way to have success. You know that person that struggles? You know, your friend. Maybe it's a cousin of yours. A kid you knew for your neighbor. A kid you knew down the street. You're probably like, dang. Though his parents, his upbringing, her, her upbringing was a little, was a little iffy. You know, or they hung around with the wrong people in high school. Or they went to a bad school where the education system there wasn't a priority. One of the most surprising things about LeBron James is the dude's never had an off-the-court, off-the-field issue. He's been class. He's well-smoking. He's smart. He's intelligent as a businessman. And his environment doesn't go hand-in-hand with that. LeBron James was the guy that lived in a single-parent household. His mom had him when she was 16. He went from home to home. He failed He failed a grade. He lived in the inner city, a rough environment in the, in the downtown area of Akron, Ohio. Well, it was an extremely, you know, chaotic environment. Yet, he's successful. That doesn't usually happen. LeBron James is the exception, not the rule. Another guy, Richard Sherman, former cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks. He's now cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers. Richard Sherman went from living in Compton, California, grew up in Compton. Who has Compton, if you ask most people, they probably say Compton's most known for gang violence. And Ice Cube. And Dr. Dre. That's what most people would think when they think Compton. Richard Sherman comes from living in the inner city of Compton and goes from Compton to Stanford. One of the best institutions in the United States of America. Richard Sherman's a smart brother. You usually don't go from Compton to Stanford like that. And you can hear the way he talks and the way he carries himself. He's an intelligent dude and he knows what's going on. So the biggest indicator in your life is the people that surround you. It could be friends, family members, teachers, coaches. These are the people that give you your religious beliefs, your political beliefs, your manners, your ideologies. And the same goes with quarterbacks. To be a successful quarterback, you need a good and stable environment. You need a mentor. You need a guy that helps you in the film room. You need good coaching. You need coaches that are going to put you in the right situation. That are going to give you, you know, the play action pass. That are going to give you lots of stuff at your disposal. They're going to play to your strengths. You need a stable environment. You know, it's not a revolving door around quarterback. All the time, you feel like, you know, you're, you're comfortable. You know what's going on. And it's so important. Now, here's what Baker Mayfield had to say about Tyrod Taylor and their quarterback competition. He said, it won't create tension. It's not about individuals, Mayfield said. They brought him in and they brought me in because we're both team-oriented guys. He's the starter. And all I can do is help us out. So it's not going to be something that separates the locker room. We're not going to be fighting over who's the man in the locker room. I'm a team-oriented guy, and we just want to win. It sounds like Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield have a very good relationship. Or at the very least, they respect each other and have a common courtesy for each other. Because I'm pretty sure if Tyrod, once Baker Mayfield got drafted number one overall by the Cleveland Browns, 
And Tyrod said, yo, man, they brought me in here. I'm not helping you out. I don't know you. I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield wouldn't have said that. Because as we've seen, Baker Mayfield isn't the most politically correct guy to begin with. That shows there's a good environment, a stable environment. It's based off respect. It's based off of courtesy. That's a stable environment. The ideal home environment. Here's what Ben Roethlisberger said about the Steelers drafting Mason Rudolph in the third round. Here's the headline. Ben Roethlisberger, surprise, Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph. Won't mentor QB. Roethlisberger said on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. I was surprised they took a QB because I thought maybe in the third round you can get some really good players that can help this team win now. Against Nothing against Mason. I think he's a great player. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he is a great kid. I just don't know how backing up or being the third, who knows where he's going to fall in the depth chart. But how does that help us win now? But that's not my decision to make. That's all the coaches and the GM and the owner. If they feel like he can help our team, so be it. But I was a little surprised. That sounded like an excerpt from Cinderella with the mean, ugly, fat stepsisters. And they hated Cinderella because they didn't want her to you know, blossom or whatever. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like the, the Witch of the Wicked West from, from Dorothy. That's what that sounds like. It doesn't sound like a good environment. It sounds like an a environment that's really based off of unhealthy competition, that's based off of resentment, that's based off of, you know, looking at sizing each other up. That doesn't look like, that doesn't feel like the right environment. So this is my worry about Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, who was drafted number seventh overall. People know, people, people know, everybody knows. I'm not the biggest Josh Allen fan, but this is what worries me about Josh Allen. How is he going to develop in Buffalo? Buffalo's a team with a great defense, but their offense is bad. The Bills have no offensive line. Cordy Glennon got traded. Eric Wood retired. Richie Incognito's in his feelings, and he may or may not retire. There's no receivers that are any threat, really. Calvin Benjamin's the best receiver on Buffalo's roster, but he can't separate. Zay Jones is another receiver they had, and he's having naked fights with his brothers in stores. And Zay Jones has hasn't been the most productive guy anyway. Sean McDermott has proven a couple of things. He can coach defense. He's a leader of men. He can develop people on the defensive side of the ball. He's a disciplinarian. He can build a great culture. He's proven all those things. But something he hasn't proved is that he can develop the quarterback position. Let's remember, against the Los Angeles Chargers, Sean McDermott benches Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman, who throws five picks and gets embarrassed. And not only that, Sean McDermott drafted Nathan Peterman. So the fact that we're all saying Sean Sean McDermott hasn't shown yet that he knows anything about selecting the right quarterback position and how to handle the quarterback position. Sean McDermott has not shown that yet. He's shown every other thing. He checks every other box except for that. And I also worry about this. What is... Josh Allen's relationship with A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman in the quarterback room. We just talked about this. A Baker Mayfield, Tyrod, Taylor situation seems good. It seems one that's healthy. Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph seems combative and ugly. 
Is AJ McCarron going to be helping Josh Allen in the film room? Is Nathan Peterman going to be trying to help Josh Allen in the film room? Are they going to go out their way to try to help this guy be the franchise quarterback Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, and the Buffalo Bills and their fan base want? Are they? I don't think so. But I hope so. Just something to think about. So for my Western Conference and Eastern Conference playoff predictions, highly anticipated. No, no, it's not actually. Everybody already knows. The Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. But first, before before I get into why I have each of these teams winning, and I will tell you in how many games I have each of them winning, the Warriors versus the Houston Rockets, which I believe is on Monday, and the Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Boston Celtics is on Sunday. I will tell you that, but first, I, I want to tell you a quick story. So I'm at the in-between, which is like this little sort of semi-fast food place on campus where you can get burgers and stuff, and I talk basketball with these two guys. And if my mom's hearing this, she, she'll probably, she might look cross-eyed for a second, and if my grandma's listening to this, she might fall out of her chair. So one of the people at the in-between, you know, we, we talk stuff back and forth about the Cavaliers, because, you know, I'm a bit of a Cavs heckler and a LeBron heckler, and I, I try to make them mad sometimes. And we actually bet money. I bet money with one of the uh, guys that work there. And I bet $5, because I've always thought, you know, I should be betting, but... I'm only going to bet as much as I'm willing to lose. And I was willing to lose $5. And I won because the bet was that the Cleveland Cavaliers would win game two. And I said, no, the Raptors are mentally shot. The Cavs are going to sweep them. And I got my $5. And I was happy I got my $5. I felt vindicated. But then there's another guy who's a little bit bigger. And he said, he was like, he came up to me. He's like, how about we bet about the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets? And I'm like, okay, I'm game. I'm, feel, I'm feeling good, right? And, and then he's like, how about we bet five? Five? I'm like, five dollars? Okay, that's good. And then this man starts dropping a Ben, another Ben, another Ben, another Ben, and a big Ben. And when I say Ben's, I'm not talking about Ben Roethlisberger. I'm talking about Ben Franklin's. He was dropping $100 bills. He put $500 in my face, put it on the table. He put it on the table. And he said, you ready to go? And he looked at me, and I looked at him like he was crazy. I was like, listen, man. I'm off for some fun, but I was like, I'll have $500 to lose because I told them if I lose that, you're going to have to come get me mafia style because I won't be able to pay you back. <laughs> That's what I told them. And I said, this is how we'd have to do it. I said, it would have to be a $20, a 20, I'd have to give you $20 incrementally like every month. I said, I can't give you $500 just out the cuff. I'm not wealthy. I don't have that type of money. And he's like, come on, man. He's like, scare money ain't make no money. So this man is trying to goat me. He is trying to goat me. And I'm like, I'm not falling for I'm not falling for the okie doke. I am not losing my money. I was like, you was trying to steal my money. And I was like, for, and then I was like, why, first of all, why do you even want the bet $500? And he's like, you know how expensive my Hennessy fare is? And I was like, oh. And I was like, well, listen, I will not be part of your Hennessy fare. I was like, how about we have a gentleman's conversation? I was like, I'm out. 500 is too much. For that matter, $20 might be too much. <laughs> but nonetheless, I will still say the Golden State Warriors will beat the Houston Rockets. And the Golden State Warriors will beat the Houston Rockets in five games. I know, the Houston Rockets, they've had the best record in the NBA. James Harden's going to win MVP. 
They have the, one of the best offenses in basketball. They beat the Warriors numerous times in the regular season. They have a lineup that features James Harden and Chris Paul and Clint Capella, who have all crushed teams when all three of them have played. They're like 29-3 or something crazy like that. But I don't care. The Warriors have Steph Curry, who's a top 25 player of all time, a two-time regular season MVP, a one-time unanimous MVP, a top five player in this game, universally recognized as the best shooter ever, two-time NBA champion, Steph Curry. And then they got that seven-foot monster, number 35, Kevin Durant. And I dare you to do this. And I was talking to my man, Scotty Johnson, who will be coming up in the second hour of the show, actually. But I was talking to him, and, he, and, I, and I told him, I was like, Scotty, name 10 basketball players you have ever seen more talented than Kevin Durant. Like, I'm not talking about rings. I'm not talking about champions. I'm talking about pound for pound on your pound for pound list. Like when they have boxing and MMA. Just don't count all this other stuff. Just count skill for skill. There aren't 10 better basketball players than Kevin Durant skill for skill. I'll argue that with anybody. He's seven foot. He can shoot the three, can shoot the mid-range, can drive, can post up high, can post up low, can move without the ball, can have the ball. He can do anything he wants on the offensive end of the court whenever he wants. He's efficient as well. And he's a monster on the defensive end. Then you got that dude, Draymond Green, one of the best defenders in the NBA, a great passer, a good rebounder, a leader and driving force of Golden State, and Klay Thompson, the forgotten man who is a top five shooter of all time, is a great on-the-ball defender, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, and he's great at moving without the ball. The Rockets are an up-tempo team, and that's why I think it's going to be five games. The Warriors are the best up-tempo team of all time. Houston is not beating Golden State at their own game. Up-tempo favors the more talented team, and Golden State is undoubtedly more talented when they have the death lineup of Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. That's the best starting five ever. Trying to go up-tempo and beat the Warriors is like trying to beat Floyd Mayweather in a defensive fight. Like, I'm just going to try to outbox Floyd Mayweather. Try to make it. Try to go all 12 rounds. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. You're in the wrong game if you're trying to do that. Now, for the series, Cleveland Cavaliers, Boston Celtics, Eastern Conference. It's going to be Sunday. I have the Cleveland Cavaliers in five games also. I know. And my cousin Devin was talking to me about this actually like a week ago. And we were going back and forth. And he was like, yo, Daryl. He's like, the Celtics are good. The Celtics are going to beat the Cavs. And I was like, man, I was like, the Celtics is not beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I know. Brad, I know this and you know this. Brad Stevens is a great coach. What he did against Philadelphia is amazing. He didn't have his his two best players, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, and has won two playoff series. Beat the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. But LeBron James is a different animal. A coach will not be more valuable than a player in this series. That will not happen. Brad Stevens is a lot of things, but Brad Stevens can't make that much of an impact. 
and he hasn't made an impact against LeBron. Let's look at the stats. 2015, LeBron James averaged 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 6.5 assists while shooting 46% from the field as the Cavs swept the Celtics in the first round 4-0. That was the series where Kelly Olnick decided to uh, pull an MMA move on Kevin Love. And LeBron and the Cleveland Cavaliers swept the Celtics. And Brad Stevens was there. Then we go to 2017 last year. LeBron averaged 29.6 points, 6.4 rebounds, 6.8 assists, and shot 58% from the field as the Cavs beat the Celtics in five games in the conference finals. That was the game where LeBron James turned his back and then just went to the hole. And the Cavs absolutely embarrassed Boston. Brad Stevens is a great coach. I will say this again. Maybe the best coach in the NBA right now. Better than a Greg Popovich. Better than a Steve Kerr. Better than a Dwayne Casey. Better than any coach you can name right now. A Quinn Snyder for Utah. Like I said, Brad's not that good. Who on Boston can check LeBron James? Jason Tatum is 20 years old and weighs 205 pounds. Jalen Brown is 21 years old and weighs 227 pounds. LeBron James is 33 and weighs 260 pounds. Grown man strength wins. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he's smarter. They ain't checking him. The Celtics are a great story. But their time will be next year. This year, it's the Kings time. And there will be, for the fourth time, the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers representing the East and the West. And they will both get this done relatively quickly. Now, coming next on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to have my man's Landon Rhodes coming on the show. Coming up next on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, we have Landon Rhodes with us. So the first thing, Landon, that I want to ask you is you were at the first Cavs games uh, with the Toronto Raptors. Just tell me what you were thinking, what you were seeing from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep, well, I can tell you it started off great for the Cavs. Obviously, there's very little to be, like, uh, picky about on the Cavs as a whole they did they played a very good series um you can also argue in a lot of ways that Toronto beat themselves as well especially mentally but um in game three specifically there was a point at the very beginning of the game where Toronto literally had I think as many or maybe even one more fouls than points they had four points and either four or five fouls and I was like okay this is about to be another blowout game two we just blew them out we're gonna do it again um, and as you saw in game four, we ended up blowing him out even worse than we did in game two. But um, they caught up. They ended up. They made a big comeback in the last uh, in the fourth quarter, tied it up. The Raptors fans around me, because there were quite a few actually, were quiet the whole game until they hit that tying three with eight seconds left. They started standing up, talking a little trash. 
and I was like eight seconds for LeBron. I was like, you better sit down because this is about to be embarrassing. Like I knew I like, <laughs> like that's too much time. Like, I'm sorry, but eight seconds for LeBron. Like you, like I knew what was going to happen. I'd seen it before. I went to the Timberwolves Cavs game earlier this season where LeBron hit the uh, buzzer beater game winner in overtime uh the three-pointer so i had seen it in person before even i was like eight seconds he's gonna do it he just did it against indiana also the uh series before that i was like you want to talk trash because the game is tied here well you're gonna want to sit down and you're gonna want to watch what happens and it did how much you think lebron james gets disrespected for not being a clutch player in the nba because despite all of his accomplishments when people think of lebron they don't think of clutch yeah, I always felt that way, and I actually think this season uh, shut up a lot of people who said that because he's proven uh, he's hit at least three game winners this season, maybe more. I can I was at two of them, um, and it's just he is clutch. Like uh, you want to talk about uh, when he was on Miami against uh, the Spurs the first time they played them. Um, yeah, Ray Allen ended up hitting that shot, but keep in mind they were down either four or five with like 25 seconds left. LeBron hits a three. Kawhi gets sent to the line, misses a free throw. Uh, Ray Allen hits a three. It goes to overtime, and the Heat end up winning. But a lot of people like to leave out the fact that LeBron hit one of the threes that ended up sending that to overtime. Yes, Ray Allen also bailed them out, but he hit one of them. I mean, he's equally responsible. How surprising was it for you that the Toronto Raptors just got swept and swept in embarrassing fashion as the one seed? Definitely surprised. I mean, I think I saw something that said the Vegas odds actually favored the Raptors heading into the series. I mean, they were the one seed. Um, and I did not see the sweep coming. I actually thought we could beat them in five or six, realistically. I was hoping not seven, because back-to-back seven-game series, that's very um, tiring on everyone involved. Um, But I was very pleased that we could do the four-game sweep. I think it just comes down to the Raptors mentally... I don't even think they can picture themselves beating LeBron. What Have they lost to him ten times in a row, something like that? I saw a statistic. Ten times in the playoffs. Ten times in the playoffs in a row. Like, that's crazy i don't think lowry is uh mentally tough i derozan i mean he got pulled out the last i think four minutes of game three that i was at and then he uh got the flagrant two right in game four and ended up leaving that early um i one of them isn't going to come back next year i don't know who it's going to be they're both earning a lot of money a lot of money that the raptors probably could use um Judging off the performance they just had in the playoffs or in general? Just in general. If you were the GM, who would you get rid of? Uh, well, first of all, not Dwayne Casey. I don't think it's his fault. He had oh, a good. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Yeah. To me, he's done. Uh, yeah. It's not his fault. It's not LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, Dwayne Casey, like, I think he's a very good coach. I think the players gave up on him. First of all, I want to say the player I was most impressed with for the Raptors throughout the series was Valanchunas. He was very good. He made his free throws. Like, I I had not watched a whole lot of Valanchunas. I knew about him, but um, the dude, like, wasn't missing free throws. And from a guy his size, I thought he was going to clank a few, and he just wasn't. Um, He was good at rebounding everything. But DeRozan was awful in in the series. Lowry was not good but he was not as bad combined for 22 points the last two games in cleveland yeah i mean they were both pretty bad but if i had to get rid of one it uh, 
this is difficult. I really, it's hard to say. I could go either way, but I'd probably, despite how badly uh, DeRozan did, I'd probably keep DeRozan. Now, as you know, a lot's been made of LeBron James role players. It's like, if he can give these guys anything, they'll be set. Which role player has surprised you the most? Okay, well, at the very beginning of the series, it looked like I might go with Thompson because he was good in the Indiana and then he kept it going in the first couple games I believe but then they stopped using him I think in games three and four I don't know why if that was just a matchup thing that Lou wanted to change up I don't know but um, I'd have to go with Kevin Love he refound his groove um, overall he had some great games a couple double double games I think I think three and four uh, he scored over 30 in the last game, I think, or the third game. I, I don't remember, but he's putting up points. He's getting rebounds. It, it, it was just great to see, not to mention JR, horrible game three. JR did not score a point. Then he comes out in game four and doesn't miss a shot. Um, I think he was six for six that game, and Corver throughout was great. But overall, I'm going to give it to Love. Talk about the level both Kevin Durant and LeBron James are playing at right now. Because LeBron James is averaging 34 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, shooting over 50% from the field. And Kevin Durant is dominating the, all the offensive side of the ball. And is just making shots that's like, I can't name 10 players of all time better than this dude. Just explain how well you think both these two are playing right now at the peak of their powers. Um, LeBron is definitely playing some of the best basketball of his career, which is unheard of at the age he's at right now um and it's not just from a numbers perspective it's just from a carrying the team perspective he's carrying like these random dudes like from the lakers from the jazz i mean we all know rodney hood didn't want to check in the game apparently but um he's just carrying these random mismatched players for the most part aside from kevin love obviously he's been with jr for a while but um most of the team that he has carried um, into the finals the last couple of years is no longer there. Shumpert's gone, you know. Um, I mean, there are t- I could list off a bunch. Shumpert, Mozgov. Well, Mozgov was only there for the first Richard one. Jefferson. Yeah, Richard Jefferson. Uh, yep, James Jones, Channing Fry. Um, all those guys, they're just not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, that's a big one too. But I mean, and actually, I forgot to mention this. George Hill is playing very well. George Hill looks like he's like excited to finally be on a team that's in really serious contention. I think George Hill on some of those Pacers teams and um he was on the Spurs too, yeah. I believe. Yeah. That just like did not quite make it. Um he it's nice to see him. He seems motivated now that he's on a team that's really contending. But I think as far as Durant, he's playing great basketball. I just I tend to not give him as much credit, not to sound like a hater against Kevin Durant. It's no secret that I don't really respect the move Durant made, and I like LeBron better in general. But when you compare the talent around Durant that other teams have to focus on when playing the Warriors compared to what other people have to, or what the other team has to focus on when they're playing the Cavs, it just, you can't compare it really. Like, okay, um, with the Cavs like all right we have to guard LeBron and we have to guard J.R. Smith versus we have to guard Kevin Durant or like George Hill and J.R. Smith versus we have to guard uh Kevin Durant plus Steph Curry and Clay Thompson like no like it's literally like I 
you get my point. It's just from a talent wise like perspective, the Warriors just have so much more you have to worry about that I think it prevents teams from keying off as much on Durant as much as teams can key off on LeBron. And LeBron's still putting up the numbers despite that. So that's why I give LeBron more credit. Now if the we assume the Cleveland Cavaliers are gonna get out the East, you know, that's already known. Whoever wins the matchup in the West between the Houston Rockets and the Warriors, I personally think the Warriors are going to thrash the Rockets. But let's say even if the Rockets somehow beat the Warriors, do you think the Cleveland Cavaliers have any chance to beat whoever comes out the West, whether it be a Golden State Warriors or a Houston Rockets? Rockets better. Um, Maybe that's just because of our past experiences with the Warriors. I don't know. Um, I just think, do we have someone who can really shut down Harden? I don't know who would guard Harden. Probably Jr. I I don't I I don't think that would be great. But like, but and then like Chris Paul against George Hill, not a not a great matchup. George Hill is pretty good defensively, but I mean it's Chris Paul. Um, on the Rockets side, I don't know if they have anyone who can really guard LeBron. So there's that. Um, who's their starting small Ariza? Isn't PJ Tucker supposed to be a LeBron stopper? PJ Tucker, <laughs> PJ Tucker, man, everyone's supposed to be a LeBron stopper. Damari Carroll was supposed to be a LeBron stopper when he was on the Raptors. Like, um, what's it? Uh, the guy on the Raptors who was just supposed to have been a LeBron stopper. Oh, OG. Uh, yeah, like. Oh, he got cooked. Yeah, everyone gets cooked who's supposed to be a LeBron stopper. The only one who ever even slowed him down was Igudala, and he got a Finals MVP for it. So, like, I don't think. Um, is is Ariza still on the Rockets? Yeah. Okay, so maybe they do some Ariza slash Tucker stuff on LeBron, but no, like that that's not gonna work. Um, and then down low, can we? Um, Clint Capella probably gonna eat on Tristan Thompson if that's who the matchup is. Um, who's the Rockets power forward? Uh, PJ Tucker. It's PJ Tucker. Actually, it's PJ Tucker, <laughs> the LeBron stopper. Tucker starts at the powerful. Okay, that's weird. A lot of small ball. Okay, well, um, in that case, I don't know. Like, I think Kevin Love could also do really well against the Rockets. It's just that versus uh, probably I don't know Draymond or Durant on LeBron, right? Yeah. And then either Draymond or a big guy on Love like Javale. <laughs> I I don't know. I. It we'll see. I don't really particularly like our chances against either of the teams from the West. I hate to say it, but I I like our chances better against the Rockets. I hope they win. I I'd be very happy if they won because honestly, even if the Cavs lose to the Rockets, I just I would not be as mad as I would be if we lost to the Warriors again. It's like finally just like a different team. Like I would be okay with that. Now with Kawhi Leonard and Russell Westbrook being available via trade, because you know what's going on with Kawhi and Greg Popovich in San Antonio, Russell Westbrook, you know, was flame out with Oklahoma City Thunder when they lost to Donovan Mitchell in the Utah Jazz. Who do you think would be a better fit for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Russell Westbrook or Kawhi Leonard? Okay, not Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry, but just not. Like, <laughs> he does not make the players around him better. It like he's LeBron just needs to make him better, though. I don't know if you can make Russell Westbrook better, really. <laughs> like, I don't think, like, that would be crazy. LeBron's making J.R. Smith better. They're both alphas, though. I can see the headlines already of Russell Westbrook and LeBron feuding from here, and they're not even on the same team. Like, I can already see those headlines. I mean, um, 
if you thought Isaiah Thomas had attitude issues, wait till Russell Westbrook and LeBron start going at it. It's That would be ugly. I wouldn't mind us getting Kawhi. I actually have seen a lot of talk on social media, Raptors fans themselves saying get rid of uh, DeRozan and sign Kawhi, which seeing Kawhi in a Raptors jersey would just be weird. But Kawhi's not going yeah, I don't think. California. Yeah, free agents in general don't like to go to uh, Canada very much. But I don't know. I just think like you want an example right now of why Russell Westbrook doesn't make. Uh, there's a lot of examples, but uh, how he doesn't make his teammates better. Victor Oladipo. He gets off the Thunder and look what he does. Like he he finally found himself because he was being allowed to like for one just have the ball a lot more. Russell Westbrook demands the ball. Same thing goes for LeBron. I don't think Oladipo would be able to thrive as much if you played with LeBron either because he demands the ball so Westbrook would be a lot better off the ball. Yeah. Then, wait, then who? Oladipo? No, no, no. Like, you'd be a lot better player if he was off the ball. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I just... The other thing is, do the Cavs even have the cap space? I don't know that off the top of my head. They trade him. Love and, uh... You have to mix him at salaries. They trade Love? Love in the first round pick. Oh, oh, okay. I was I was confused. I thought you were saying this was in addition. Um, I I don't know about that because like, I, I don't know. I don't want to give up on love. Yeah, and also like people kind of forget if we want to keep LeBron, I do not think trading love would be the way to go. That's like one of the last one of LeBron's homies that's on the team. I just don't think I don't see how the Cavs could say, all right, we just traded. The player that you that was number one on your list of players that you wanted the Cavs to go out and get a few summers back, and you just traded the player that LeBron handpicked for the Cavs, and you're telling him to stay. I just don't. I don't see that. Now we're gonna take a quick break and then coming right up, talk about the Cleveland Browns. Come up next on Barbershop Sports Talk. So tell me, Landon, there was a video of Baker Mayfield running from the cops in a futile attempt. So, Landon, is Baker Mayfield the right fit for the Cleveland Browns, a team that hasn't had stability in years? Yeah, I think his issues with the police and stuff are kind of over-exaggerated. And the the Browns fans do have reason to be scared of this because of what they went through with Johnny Manziel. But I just think when you compare the -the off-the-field issues, Manziel's are much more they were much more concerning coming into the pros and they just progressed from there like this dude what did he do he like snuck into vegas wearing a fake mustache or something like he's insane he also um i'm pretty sure johnny manzel is diagnosed bipolar or something yeah Yeah, so he actually has mental illness and as far as we know baker mayfield does not so it might be easier to tell Baker Mayfield, hey, cut this behavior out, than it would be someone who's bipolar. Do you think do you think he was the best quarterback in the class? Um, I honestly did not like Sam Darnold at all. Ohio State, just, oh my gosh. After watching that game, that's what really made me not like Sam Darnold very much. I get it, Ohio State's defense is good, but it's nowhere near what he's going to face in the pros. So... Um, they just they made Darnold look horrible. USC's offensive line also horrible, but all the same, a number one pick should at least be able to make some kind of effort to win that game, and he really did not show it. Um, and who else? Josh Allen. 
I don't really think he's that good. Thank you. Thank you, Landon. <laughs> Thank you, Landon. Thank you. Landon, you should tell people in Buffalo this. Oh, they like it? They oh, like my that God. Pick. They think he's the savior. Oh, man. Even though he was completing 30% of his passes against Hawaii. Wow. Yeah, I don't. That's not good. I mean, I won't write him off. You never know. Like, I don't want this to be one of those clips where we look back on it in like five years and it's so embarrassing that I said he was a bust and he turns out to be like an all pro. But signs point to him not being good, in my opinion, at this point in time. Who knows how he'll develop. But I don't, I would agree with you that I don't think he was a great pick at this time. Now, how do you feel about Rosen and Lamar Jackson? Okay, um, I like the Jackson pick. I thought it was a nice move by the Ravens to move back into the first round to get him. Um, Rosen, actually, I really like, and I feel like he's given a bad rep. Uh, he's the best thrower of the football in the class. Yeah. He's not even close. He is cocky, but I don't get why that's a negative trait necessarily. Like, Joe Namath was cocky. Like, why I don't get at what point cocky became a bad thing. I They're calling... They keep saying he has attitude issues, but I've never heard any of them be named besides the fact that they feel like he's overconfident and stuff along those lines. And I, I'm sorry, but I don't get what's wrong with having a confident quarterback. I, why is he not allowed to be so confident? Like, would you rather him come in and be like, hey, I'm trash? Like, why is he not allowed to say, like, I'm the best quarterback in this class? If I'm drafting a quarterback, that's what I want them to say. I don't know. That's just my perspective. I'm fine with a confident quarterback. I think people don't like his attitude. Yeah. I mean, in general, we like our athletes and our celebrities to be humble. And oh, he's not humble at all. Yeah, I know. Exactly. But, um, but not every humble athlete and celebrity is... Like they're not always hum. There have been examples of not humble ones who have been super successful too. Kanye West, never been humble in his life millionaire um yeah i mean and like i said i feel like joe namath is a good example um tom brady some people don't like his attitude too he's always been kind of sly and like confident and people that that rubs some people the wrong way too but at the end of the day if aaron rogers is yeah aaron rogers is confident too he says relax to the fans he says i mean do do what you got to do off the field to get yourself where you need to be mentally to just play football and like you said he's the best he's the best I think pure quarterback of the class I think the Cardinals got a good one and because they have Bradford they don't need to rush him in as a starter necessarily let him take a year or two probably not two maybe one year uh, I would assume as the backup if he even gets one year as the backup, he might start this year. We'll see, especially with uh, Glass Bones Bradford in front of him. So, like, we don't know, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. Which player in the draft? Which pick did you really like? Um, the Saquon Barkley pick because the the Giants. What it told me is they're not giving up on Eli Manning quite yet. Uh, get him a little bit of help. I mean. When the Giants have had good running backs, they've been good in the past. Brandon Jacobs got a Super Bowl. Now, keep in mind, Jacobs ended up becoming not very good. But when at that time, he was a pretty dominant physical running back. Um, and then they won that other Super Bowl when I think they just had kind of like a running back by committee thing kind of go. Bradshaw. Ahmad Bradshaw, yeah, when he sat in the end zone and everything. Yeah, but it was but when they don't have running backs – um they've just not been as good like Rashad Jennings injury prone like badly 
Um, How good do you think Saquon Barkley is? I think he's very good. I don't know if we should expect him to be like a Zeke quite yet because I don't know if he has the O-line to match what Zeke had coming in his rookie year. Um, I was actually surprised by the success Fournette had his rookie year because I didn't think Jacksonville necessarily had the O-line to make what he needed to get the yards he got, but it ended up working out for him. So there's been a recent, I think, streak of successful rookie running backs. But aside from obviously, um, well, he didn't do this his rookie year, but Zeke's had some off the field things. But um, and the Giants are hoping to see that again. Uh, I actually really like what the Packers did. Not to be like biased because I am a Packers fan, but they went out and they got the cornerback from Louisville. Uh, he picked uh, he picked Deshaun Watson off twice when they played him uh, at Clemson. Um, and then they got the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, I think, in the second round with the Iowa corner. So we got two nice cornerbacks. Our secondary should be really good. Um, and I don't know. I just really like that. And uh, I'm trying to think. The Browns, I actually like the Denzel Ward pick, too. It surprised a lot of people, but he's a very good corner, very fast, too. So Now, you talk about you know the Green Bay Packers a little bit, you know. Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Brett Favre had their issues because, you know, Brett Favre didn't want to necessarily help Aaron Rodgers. Then you see a little bit of that with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph gets drafted and then Big Ben's like, whoa, 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 whoa. My job is not to help this dude out. Yeah. Where do you think the, the line is between somebody? Because, you know, you're supposed to be a good teammate and, you know, I guess not giving too much. Yeah, I mean, it's not his job to prepare him or anything like that. It would be a nice gesture, but it's by no means a requirement. And I don't know. I think Big Ben on this one maybe should chill out a little bit because this is the same Big Ben. He's acting in a way super surprised that they took this guy when this is the same Big Ben that was just talking about possibly retiring at the end of this year. And now he's acting shocked that they took a quarterback. You can't just randomly talk about retirement and expect the Steelers to not make a move like this. Like, if you're talking retirement, they're going to maybe panic a little bit. Like, or maybe not even panic, but just take a quarterback just in case. They don't know if he'll be back next season. Like, I don't see... I haven't seen any headlines that necessarily say he's angry with the pick, but he definitely, in a lot of ways, doesn't seem thrilled with it. Now, with the Packers... A lot of it talks been, you know, could Des Bryant potentially be a signee from the Green Bay Packers? You know, they've been really good at receivers. Like, they had the Donald Drivers, the Greg Jennings, the Jordy Nelsons. Do you think Des Bryant would be a good fit in Green Bay? No, because all those wide receivers were humble, for starters. Um, you don't see Donald Driver throwing up the X. You don't see that kind of... I mean, Donald Driver every once in a while would, like, flex or something like that. But, like... Donald Driver was a humble dude. He was like, I think, a seventh-round pick. He might have even been undrafted. I'm not sure. But um, I think he was a late-rounder. But uh, Greg Jennings, he went to Central Michigan, I think, like another like humble guy. Jordy Nelson's a farmer in those offseason. Like, I'm sorry, but like compare this guy who's out here harvesting crops in his offseason to whatever Des Bryant's doing in his offseason, probably just tweeting on his couch a lot of the time. And it's just, we don't need that personality. I, Des Bryant's very good. Uh, he's already proven he can't, he can't perform on Lambeau Field more than a few times. So, um, and I mean, we already got Jimmy Graham. That should be, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out because we haven't used tight ends very effectively in the past. We signed Martellus Bennett, don't use him. Um, 
And I mean, Richard Rogers had some success with us. He's not even here anymore, but it'll be nice to see if him and uh, Rogers can mesh. I don't think we need Des Bryant though. So the Giants owner, John Mora, said that him and Odell's people are talking about a contract, you know, speaking Des Bryant, diva receivers, people that can be a little bit too much. Should the Giants extend an offer to an Odell Beckham? I think so. Um, just because he, I mean, he's an all pro. Like, I know he has some attitude, and I know I just talked about how the Packers don't need someone with attitude, but this is a completely different organization. The Giants, um, they've had some characters on their team. They had Plaxico shoot himself in the leg, Burris. Like, um, they they don't care as much. I mean, they had the what the wide receiver party boat or whatever right before the Packers beat them Miami. that one time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they don't necessarily. I don't think care as much about the personality aspect of their wide receivers. If they did, they probably wouldn't have drafted him in the first place. Because I'm assuming they knew he was a big personality coming in, and he. The the whole thing he did with Josh Norman that one game to me was by far the lowest he's ever gone. That was really ugly when he was like trying to give Norman the French model. That uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> let him do what he wants off the field, but on the field when you're trying to give Norman a concussion and stuff like that, that's just bad. Um, but and I don't think I think him and Eli Manning maybe have a little disconnect just because of the age difference. I think. Um, they might not see eye to eye just because they're from different generations in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't think they're into the same things. Yeah, definitely not. Like, there's a reason Eli Manning wasn't on that party boat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Eli Manning was probably filming a direct TV commercial or something. Like, um, I think when they get a new young quarterback with the Giants eventually. They go on the party boat together? I don't yeah. Know, I don't know if the Giants want that. Hey, they're going to become best friends. It's going to be like, I don't know, Woody and Buzz Lightyear. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. And I, I just think that uh, some of the disconnect has to do with age more than anything else. Thank you, Landon, for coming on the show. No problem. Always a good time. Really appreciate it. Okay, now coming up next on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you why the Houston Rockets are an awful, awful matchup for the Golden State Warriors and why it's going to be five games. Coming up next on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk. One again, want to thank my man Landon Rose for coming on. Appreciate it. Came on on short notice. Landon will be on. I'm going to try to get Landon on. Decent amount over the summer. You know, Landon wants to do that. So always love Landon's perspective on basketball and football. Interesting guy. I love his opinions. I love how he is a Kevin, he's low key a Kevin Love guy. If you haven't listened to it, he's. Landon Rhodes is low-key a Kevin Love guy. That's one thing I've got from him. He's low-key a, a Kevin Love guy. He has some love for love. But a team I don't have love for, team that's red, to be honest. Isn't that interesting? If Ben Goodman was here, he could probably give a pun. But the Houston Rockets, the Warriors are going to smash them. Partly because the Warriors match up so well with the Houston Rockets. Now, first off, let's talk about this. Their style of play. Both these teams play fast. Both these teams shoot a lot of threes. 
and both these teams play up-tempo, high-paced basketball. How can you beat the Warriors like that? Houston led the league in three-point attempts. Golden State was third in attempts. Golden State, though, is much more efficient, shooting 39% from three, leading the NBA. Houston was 13th in the league in three-point shooting percentage, 36%. The Golden State Warriors are a more efficient team in general. They shoot 50% from the field, number one in the league. The Houston Rockets shoot 46% from the field, 15th in the league. Not only that, Golden State, they put more points on the scoreboard and they have a higher pace. The Warriors led the league in scoring with 113.5 points per game. Houston was second with 112.4 points per game. Golden State was fourth in the league in pace. Houston was 14th in the NBA in pace. So tell me this. How the hell are the Rockets going to beat the Warriors at their own game? Like I said earlier in the show, it's trying to beat Floyd Mayweather in a defensive boxing match. It just doesn't happen. Is James Harden a better shooter than Klay Thompson? A no. Is Chris Paul a better shooter than Steph Curry? A no. Is James Harden a better shooter than Kevin Durant? A no. And since they both play together, I think James Harden would second that emotion. Steph Curry, I know. There is a problem with him either having to guard Chris Paul or James Harden. But the thing is, he won't have to. Steph Curry is going to guard Trevor Ariza and be off the ball. Klay Thompson will guard either James Harden or Chris Paul, whichever one gets hot that night. Andre Iguodala, because they might start their death lineup the whole series, just to you know add a little emphasis on the series. Start fast. And Iguodala, who is 6'6 and a great defender, will guard the other one of the James Harden-Chris Paul duo. So here's my question to Rockets supporters. What are the Rockets going to do with Klay Thompson? Because that's more interesting to me than what the Warriors are going to do with Steph Curry. James Harden is not, and I repeat, James Harden is not going to chase Klay Thompson around all game long on off-ball screens and running through picks. James Harden ain't about that life. James Harden just started trying to put minimal effort in on playing on-the-ball defense. James Harden is not chasing people around, okay? James Harden's not chasing people around all game, running, trying to do ball denial, doing all that gritty stuff that takes up a lot of energy to do and is very physically taxing. James not doing that. And if Chris Paul is checking Klay Thompson, we do realize Klay Thompson's one of the best post-up two guards in the NBA. Klay Thompson can do a little bit more than just shoot threes. He has a very good post-up game, and he will shoot over Paul and dr drain and nail mid-range shots in his face all game long. Because Chris Paul is six foot. And Klay Thompson's a legit six 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 seven. And then if they double, Klay's a smart player and he will pass it open. And who are you leaving open? Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, threes. So then let's get to KD. Another question I have for the Rockets. Who was guarding that man? With the court so spread out, you can't check Kevin Durant one-on-one. -on -one. We know what time it is. Trevor Ariza will get cooked. P.J. Tucker 
when Landon was on the show, Landon was talking about how people call P.J. Tucker a LeBron stopper. LeBron tore P.J. Tucker apart. KD is going to give P.J. Tucker nightmares. Nightmares. P.J. Tucker ain't got nothing on Kevin Durant. Not even in the same class. And, the, and then what the Warriors are going to do, they're going to neutralize Clint Capella, the Houston Rockets rim protector. Draymond Green can bring the ball up the court. He's a great point forward. That will cause Clint Capella to have to go away from the rim and have to be at the top of the key trying to defend Draymond Green. That leaves the rim wide open and unprotected. Playing fast against the Warriors is death. It's like committing suicide. It's like going to someone. It's like writing your own funeral. It's writing your own obituary. That's weird. We don't do that. Who writes their own obituary? The only way to beat the Warriors, the only way to give yourself a chance to not die a fast, methodical, quick-faced, quick-paced death is to get physical with them. To pound them in the post. Houston ain't equipped to do that. You notice the only series the Golden State Warriors ever lost was a series actually in which Andre Godagla had a bad back, Andrew Bogut hurt his knee, and Draymond Green got suspended, and Steph Curry was hobbled. But nonetheless, and they didn't have Kevin Durant. But you want to know what the biggest thing the Cleveland Cavaliers did? They slowed the pace down. When the Cleveland Cavaliers came back from 3-1, lots of the games were in the low 100s, the high 90s. They were wearing the Golden State Warriors down. Go back a year before, 2015. Cleveland Cavaliers are up 2-1 against the Golden State Warriors heading into Cleveland for a game four against Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson. And LeBron James was cooking them. Because LeBron James was posting up and being a man amongst boys and slowing the pace down, which frustrates the Warriors. That is the complaint I had last year in the NBA Finals when the Cavs were trying to play fast pace against the Warriors. No team in the league will beat this team fast pace. I don't care who it is. The Chicago Bulls, the Magic Johnson Lakers, the Boston Celtics with Larry Bird, Kobe and Shaq Lakers, the Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, KG, Rajon Rondo, Doc Rivers coach Celtics. I don't care who it is. You will not beat the Golden State Warriors playing fast-paced up and down. They're too good at that. Their shooting's too good. Their basketball IQ's too good. Their passing's too good. So if you want to beat them, pound them. And Mike D'Antoni, who comes from the seven seconds or less tree, the model of fast-paced innovative offense, he's not doing that because that's not the way D'Antoni coaches. So what I'll tell the Houston Rockets this. Try to get into a three-point fight with the Warriors, and you'll get your butt knocked out. In the words of Jamal Lyon when he sung to Lucius Lyon, Your judgment's coming, it's long past due. If you live by the sword, die by it too. The Rockets will die in five games because nobody can beat the Warriors at their own game. And it's quite simple. Come next on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to be entering our LM Network only segment of the show. If also you want to watch, you can get the Columbia, South Carolina radio app. We're ending the SoundCloud version. We're ending the second hour. Coming up next on Barbershop Sports Talk. Hey.
Sports Talk.